You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the Skate Podcast. Talking Bruins hockey with WEI Bruins writers Scott McLaughlin, Bridget Prue, and Brian DeFelice. Lace them up for some bees talk. It's Odyssey's The Skate Pod on WEI. Woo! Welcome into episode 274 of the Skate Podcast. I am Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Prue and Scott McLaughlin. Another ugly performance. It's, it's becoming a trend for the Bruins out of the All-Star break. We'll get to our opening shifts. Before I do, the trade deadline is approaching. Playoff hockey is approaching. That also means, Bridget and Scott, that what else is approaching? The return of Sunday skate. This coming Sunday, February 18th, 9 Basically. to 11 a.m. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me, me me, and Bridget are back, and so is Razor. So And, and uh, Brian in the car. That's what? right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brian, and, Brian from Belarica. No one will even know it's me. I mean, the tell t- I could literally say it's Brian in the car. Nobody will know it's me. But then once I start shitting on Lindholm, they'll be, oh, I know who this <laughs> is. I know who this is. I know this voice. Yes. Yeah, we know We know Brian's takes. And also, if they bring up the uh, the 90s uh, Anaheim Ducks uniforms. <laughs> yeah, nobody's talking about anything. Somebody... Yeah, uh, what do you guys think of the 80s USA hockey jerseys versus the 02 Salt Lake City Olympic jerseys? I'll hang up and listen. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll have to have many aliases and different voices when I call in. But, yes, Sunday skate is approaching. And also it means spring's coming and all that good stuff. So it's – um because that's that's usually the time of year that the show starts up. So it's it starts uh, – one more time, Scott. It starts what date and it goes until the end of the season? Playoffs? Yes. Sunday, February 18th, 9 a.m., and then every Sunday after that until the season's over. Lovely. Perfect. Yeah. And Bridget, you're not behind the glass. You're an actual, like, you're a part of the um, on-air. I, yes, I got promoted. I am not <laughs> producing it because I said, Ken, I'm not producing it. <laughs> um, I was like, I will be either hosting it or not involved. And he was like, you're like I'm a, I'm a veteran in this league. I want the, I want the veteran. I, I did. I had to negotiate. I had to negotiate. I was like, I know you need someone to train your, your new Red Sox producer. So Bridget was, Bridget was threatening to hold out. She was saying like, she wasn't going to come in till March. <laughs> oh gosh. I was starting well, to walk out. <laughs> Well, I, uh, I, you know, I've never said this before, 
to you, uh, to either of you too. But my favorite, my favorite uh, Sunday skate memory, I actually went to uh, not Top Golf. What's it called? Uh, X Golf. It was, it was, it's an indoor golf simulator. I think it was last year, maybe, maybe the year before. I think it was last year. And anyway, I get out of like a two-hour little little indoor golf session, and I turn on my car, and what do I hear? I hear, I hear Scott's beautiful voice in the radio with Razor. I think it was the first time that you guys maybe started that show. And I was like, it was nice to hear your voice, Scott. I mean, I hear it all the time, but over the airwaves, boy, does that thing carry from state to state, huh? Oh yeah. My, yeah. Projects well over, over, uh, <laughs> over the airwaves for sure. I'm wow. going to refrain from saying anything mean, even though Scott said something mean to me before the podcast. So I had, mm-hmm. I had a, a snide remark for you, but I'll keep it wow. to myself. <laughs> the uh the, the the department of podcast uh skate pod safety is is we'll, we'll review that one and um, <laughs> you know it was a preseason uh infraction it wasn't during the course of play um so he might get less games for that or maybe it'll just be a, a, a minimum of fine but i don't know if, I, I might take matters into my own hands and get my for, own justice <laughs> for scott for scott's mentions sakes we'll probably keep it on we probably won't disclose it because it was a joking manner but he he, he is he, he might have there's no the record of it we we weren't recording yet so i just deny 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 we have I mean, witnesses. it's one of those situations where like a, a player, they, they, they have an infraction and they know the next game they're gonna have to answer for it. So Scott's, he's already yeah. got his, his, his gloves, you know, shaking off. He, he knows he has to answer the bridge at some point. Yeah, Scott, but... I'll see you on Sunday skate. There you go. <laughs> Rage is going to be like, what, what did I just walk into? I know he's, he's, he's you're you going to have more, more of a physical response on the Bruins. Oh boy, that's a that's a that was low. Not as low as Grizzlick's five minute major in a game of Sponda. <laughs> that was low. We'll get to that. Actually, Bridget, maybe maybe we'll get to that right now. We'll get let's get to the opening shifts here. Yeah. So I decided it would be fun for my opening shifts to be based around the Grizzlick spear on Patcheretti. Um, because I have an opinion on it, but it's not it, it doesn't mean as much as it an opinion from you two guys, because I've never been in this situation before. It doesn't really work like that. So um, anatomically, I'm, I had, it didn't hurt me as much as it probably hurt you guys to watch. <laughs> so um, my opening shift is that I, I do have an opinion, but I want to hear yours first before I actually like fully form it because I'm, I've, I've never experienced what happened to uh, Max Pacioretty. Hmm. It doesn't feel great. I'll start there. <laughs> it's, it's extremely unpleasant. Um, yeah, it, look, I guess like the big question is whether or not Grizzly did it intentionally. And and I don't think he did because I just don't think he's that kind of player. Um, it was only his second ever five-minute major in a game misconduct. And the other, the other one was uh, after a late hit on McAvoy, he jumped um, – who it was a Maple Leaf player that Grizzly kind of like went after cross checked and then dropped the gloves. Um, so that was the only other one. And that's, that's not dirty. That's sticking up for a teammate responding to a hit that he obviously thought was dirty. Uh, Zach Hyman. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Uh, so I, I don't think it was, I think and Ray Ferraro mentioned this on the broadcast, like he's probably just trying to tie up his stick and missed and missed and in a very bad area, and the fact that Pacioretty had just shoved him from behind uh, like three seconds earlier, I-, I can see why the refs might have thought it was a retaliation, might have thought it was intentional, and 
ultimately it doesn't matter if it was intentional or not because the NHL rule book is very clear. Any spearing where contact is made is is a five minute major in a game misconduct. And you know, Pacioretty obviously stayed in the game, but uh, he was in quite a bit of pain for for a few minutes there because that that is how that injury works. You are you are in a lot of discomfort, and uh, you know you got to just kind of skate around, and there's really no really no easy way to make that go away. Well, yeah. Brian, yeah, I mean, I I haven't I haven't had that exact thing happen to me, but um, yeah, I'm sure he had seen. God, before. have you? Uh, so yes, but like not it, like, like I, I had, when I was a kid playing, like I had someone spear slash like do the, the cup check thing. And fortunately they actually did mostly just get me in the cup. So like it didn't actually do any damage, but I, yeah. I have, I have been hit there. I had someone try to do that. You might get hit there again this Sunday. <laughs> what you said to me you, before you, you all heard that that's, that's a threat you all heard it was, that it was a threat <laughs> um i i can imagine that um you know th- there could be some honestly sometimes when that happens though like, you, you can get a little nauseous too it's like um there, there there's a lot of different things i i've had i've been hit i've been hit down there with you know like a a ball like a maybe like a soccer ball or a tennis ball or something playing street hockey that's and yeah, I don't want to get into too many details. You know, I'll try to be tasteful on the podcast, but it's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely, uh, it's not fun. It's definitely not fun. And um, sometimes the, the second it happens, it, it sometimes it's a, sometimes it's a lingering issue. Sometimes it's like five seconds later, you're like, oh. But yeah, I'll keep it off the podcast for sure. <laughs> um, anyway, my, so my opinion now that I I heard yours and it was like yours weren't as as bad as I thought they were going to be in terms of like, I thought you might've been like, yeah, that was a hundred percent intentional. Anyone that does that, like they know what they're doing. But to me, it looked like he had, he did not have the intention to doing that. Um, And the fact that it's Max patch already, it it, it, like, it makes it, it it adds a new element to it because of the history with Max patch already and the Bruins and the Chara thing. And I also throughout his career, just, he's just, he's a frustrating player to watch. And I, I think he, he can be a diver at times. So I'm sitting there like, all right, it was definitely an accident. I'm not sure he like, this might've been an overreaction. Like, was he, did it really hurt that bad? Was, was this like, oh, okay, I'm going to go down. But anyway, that was what I first thought when I saw it, probably because it's Max patch ready. So um, the fact that it was to him, it was like, he, he always seems to get really hurt against the Bruins, even though that one time that Chara did, hit him into the boards that was pretty bad but um once again accidental so is he gonna come out tomorrow and be like i'm gonna take grizzly to court for you know hurting the jewels well, no. well he doesn't he doesn't have montreal fans behind him this time so <laughs> i don't think we have to worry about uh police reports and, and investigations and in, inter- international like extradition getting chara up to quebec for for trial and no, i don't I don't think we're getting anything any of that. Another another one of the main uh, reasons why Quebec City won't get a team back is <laughs> French Canadian yeah. people sometimes go a little too far. <laughs> well, and and you also have um, you know I don't want to give Quebec all the credit. I mean, you got a couple Ontario cities right now going at each other too with the uh, Morgan Riley cross check last night. We can get to that maybe later on as well. But um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, so Bridget. 
yeah, to your to your other, the other part of your question, was it intentional? I I certainly I don't think so. Um, just to Scott's point, Grizzik's not a he's not a dirty player, and um, I know the broadcast showed that Pacioretty forechecked him hard seconds earlier, um, but. I mean, no, it, that was not intentional. It looked like he just missed the stick, the stick lift. Um, I'm sure he wanted to maybe lift his stick with a little bit of uh, oomph after getting hit like that, but I don't think he meant to to do that. So, um, all right. But any any final thoughts on that play? No, we. I mean, maybe, maybe we can get back to it and like how it affected the game. Uh, right. My my opening shift is about fans booing the home team because that has now happened twice this week. It happened Tuesday during a lackluster 4-1 loss to Calgary as well and happened quite a few times on on Saturday. Um, A little bit at the end of the first period, more at the end of the second, a bunch during during the third, especially as the Bruins had three power plays and didn't do anything with any of them. And I know there's – there's a segment of people that, and I think Bridget is in this group that don't like when home fans boo, um, think it's, you know, unproductive or sound comes across as spoiled, especially maybe when your team has the second best record in the NHL and just beat the best team on Thursday. I don't have an issue with it though. Um, I think if this were a game that the Bruins lost, but gave an honest effort and were there and had 30 shots on goal and just couldn't break through, we're just missing the finishing touch and fans are booing. I'd say, okay, that sounds a little spoiled, but I think not that all Bruins fans are smart, but I think for the most part, this fan base understands when, when they're seeing a good effort and when they're not. And I think anyone who watched Saturday's game knows that you are not seeing a good effort. Like that was just a full blown clunker, just complete stinker, absolute no show up and down the roster. Like at no point did the Bruins look like a team that had the capability of playing a competitive game or the desire or desperation to play a competitive game. And listen, fans pay a lot of money to go to those games. The Bruins have some of the highest ticket prices in the league. You know, if it's a sad afternoon. Maybe he brought the family. That becomes, you know, a five hundred dollar plus outing, and and you and you just saw trash. Like you just saw a bad product. So I don't, I don't have a huge issue with it. Um, you know, Mon- Montgomery after the game said he didn't have a huge issue with it. Players, you you could tell, you know, they don't like hearing it, but they I think also understand where it comes from. You know, Carlos said, Brandon Carlos said like. If they're booing, that means we're not doing our job. Um, Charlie Coyle didn't blame them for it. Brad Marchand did make reference to to fans having a short memory, which, again, is fair. They just beat the best team in the NHL 4-0 on Thursday. But a lot of those fans who are in the building Saturday weren't there Thursday. So they're reacting to what they're seeing, what they paid money for, and I just don't have a problem with it. Yeah, I... I I mean, Bridget, I know Scott kind of mentioned that you, your opinion potentially. I don't know if you it's changed since you last spoke about this. You still no, feel the same I, way? I still feel the same way. It's It just bothers me. And I know I'm pretty sure both of you um, think it's fine. But in my mind, I think that, oh, no, 
no my alarm <laughs> sorry my alarm decided to go off um in my mind i think it does Bridget, wake cool. up time 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 to podcast yeah yep Oops. scotch is um, scotch is digging his hole deeper and deeper for that first yeah, sunday ski okay you watch yourself um no i think it does sound spoiled i think it sounds like i don't know i mean obviously it was i, I don't think it was a good game but i think it makes i think it makes like as a whole the fan base look bad in different situations when because it's it's uh subjective right it's like okay half of them are booing half of them don't think that you should boo but it sounds like the whole rink is booing and it and Coyle and Carlo give those answers because those two guys are very intelligent and good at speaking to the media and um, know the right and wrong thing to say. And it it definitely affects the players because and in, in when you think about Marshawn in particular, he's made comments about how he, even though he's Canadian, he wouldn't want to play for Toronto because the fans are too, like, they're too much. Like, they, they get on you and, they, like, it's to the point where it seems like they – they really would prefer to love to hate certain things about the team or players or, or, you know, parts of the season. Um, and they they kind of seem miserable. And when you see a taste of it in your own fan base, I'm sure it doesn't feel good because they're not hundred percent used to it. They've been good for a long time. So when it is just one bad performance and you're the, the best team in the conference or last, like, or even the best team in the league, cause they have been the best team in the league at certain times this season. Uh, it just, to me, it's like, really, is that necessary? Like, I don't think that's teaching anyone a lesson. I think if anything, it's frustrating. It's not productive. Um, and yeah, that's just how I, how I feel about it. And I know you guys think that the, it might serve a purpose, but to me, I feel like the actual result is just that it makes the fan base look bad and it makes the players have like a disconnect with the fan base. So I think that Bridget, one thing that you said that I think is 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 very true is that I think when you're watching on TV or you're watching a person and and you boo them, you feel like okay, we're booing them. They know that we're voicing our displeasures, so they they have to come out next period on fire, right? But I think when you're when you're the players and you're and you're actually out there, uh, even if the crowd is silent, when you're playing that poorly you're in your own head as it is like you're already struggling to make passes to to do what's right you're overthinking everything then you add in the external noise it i i do agree that like if a if the players are battling it hearing the booze won't make them in that moment make the right play or or or, or have a better pass because they're already all flustered so i hear what you're saying in that sense bridget however um in general like when you're a fan uh and Scott Scott voiced it pretty well in general. Like the Bruins fans are smart; they're not going to boo the Bruins because they're losing. They're going to boo them if they don't see the effort, whether they're you know uh, forty two and zero at the time or they're five hundred. If there's not a, if there's a lack of effort, if you're in the audience, you want you're there because you want to be you you're emotional. The fans are emotional, and they want to cheer when when things happen. And when when the team's doing nothing, it is really difficult for the fans to sit there in silence. They want to voice some sort of emotion because they're there. Right. And, and I, I think like, I, I don't know how the Bruins fans could sit there through that game because Bridget, the, they're certainly not going to cheer. Right. Bridget. So the, so in your world, they're going to, they're going to, they're just going to stay silent because they're not going to boo. And I don't know how the fans can, I don't know how they can physically just sit there in their seats for 
two hours and just be like, like they're gonna get they're gonna boo, you know. And and I think that um because it's part of the fan experience. But I also think the Bruins fans like, I think yes, it can come across spoiled, but in this situation, two out of three games they they they, they kind of play like this. And and when you're watching the Bruins out there, kind of just coasting. I don't, I don't blame the fans because what else are they supposed to do? Like, it's not that the, it's not like they boo the Bruins all the time. It's like very rare that they do. So I think when they do, it means something. And I, you want to know what else is part of the fan experience? Yelling "shoot" every time anyone touches the puck in the offensive zone. It's like it, without like it's you hear like a chorus of "shoot" every time like David Pasternak has the puck, even if he's like nowhere near the net. They're like "shoot," Bridget. <laughs> you know, Bridget. I, I, I will say along those lines. Wouldn't have been the worst advice yesterday because no. the Bruins passed up an awful lot of I'd be fine if they, were, if they were yelling that yesterday. It was one of the lowest shooting totals in, in a long time. I mean, I yeah, feel the like – lowest of the season, eight, 18 shots on goal. I feel, like the, I feel like the Bruins could literally win the Stanley Cup on home ice. They could be parading the Stanley Cup around the ice. You could still have somebody in the 300s yelling, shoot! <laughs> it's just programmed yep. into the into hockey fans. <laughs> yep. Um, but, look, I mean, I'm sure people will have um, – different opinions on this. I, I just think that I, I think it's really tough for, for, for fans to sit there in silence because the, the, the team gave them nothing to cheer about. And if, if you're not going to boo as Bridget, like you said, you, you'd prefer them not to boo. How, how can you be there in silence? It's just like, it's kind of like it's, you're asking the fans to have no emotion. It's really tough. It's a tough ask of them. Um, and I think some once, once in the blue moon, and again, the Bruins lose, you know, they, they do lose hockey games and, and the fans don't just boo them when they lose I think, once in a blue moon, I think it's everybody's allowed to get up frustration. The fans are allowed to get up frustration, and 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 the players just have to they have to take it. Look, the, these guys get cheered every single night by this fan base. Every single night, whether it's in Boston or on the road, this fan base puts out a lot for this hockey team. And they and this hockey team, whether it's on the ice or out in the public world, they probably get nothing but cheers and admiration from their fan base. So on the on the off circumstance that they get booed, I think they can. I think they can. Uh, Put on their 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 uh their adult pants and, and take it. I think as long you don't want it to be an an, an, an often occurrence because then then it loses its meaning. But I mean, yesterday was 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 not that was not a a performance that anybody on that Bruins team should have been proud of, except for Jeremy Swayman. He played well. Um, so we can circle back to this. Um, my opening shift is it's it's a question to you bridget and scott and to the fans out there and, and it's a question to myself too and I'll, I'll work through my answer along throughout this podcast but this bruins team is they have a lot of positive qualities a lot of things going for them they have fantastic coaching they have fantastic star power um they have it, it, they they do have good scoring depth if you look up and down their roster and you look at where they are in the league sometimes it looks like they don't but they do and so i can't take that away from them and in general, they have good structure and great goaltending, and they're a good hockey team. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I, I, what I want to know going forward is, is this team tough enough? And I don't mean fighting. I, I, I certainly don't mean fighting. What I mean is, and, and I'm not harping on the Calgary game or the, or the, uh, the Washington game necessarily. I, those games just remind me of the type of hockey that the Bruins struggle with in, in the spring in recent years. And the teams that beat the Bruins are teams that kind of outwork them. And, uh, and so heading into the spring this year, I, I'm just curious, is this Bruins team tough enough? And what do I mean by tough enough? I mean, can they win, um, you know, physical battles up and down the ice? Can they win those races to lose pucks? Uh, the majority of the time, not every time, the majority of the time, can they back check and forecheck and pressure up and all over the ice with, with the tenacity that's needed uh, to win a championship? Do they have that personnel right now within, or do they need to add a couple of pieces externally? So I just want to pose that question to you guys and the listeners. Is this Bruins team tough enough in the intangible areas when, 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 when the going gets tough? I think they can be. I will also say I don't think this is a I don't think this is something you can really learn about a team in the regular season. Like it's it's easy to ask this right now when they've had two stinkers in a week, but I don't think I don't think you learn that in these games. Like the whole team was off Saturday, the whole team was off Tuesday. Teams have these kind of games, you know, like we would all say if you asked, you know, who's the most phys or who is the most like physically effective team. We would probably say the Florida Panthers because we saw it firsthand in the spring. They still play that same way. I've seen games from them this year where they just haven't shown up. Like it, it happens. Um, I think the Bruins do some things physically pretty well and better than last year. Like I think they have been for the most part, not every night, but for the most part, a better forechecking team. I think they've gotten to the front of the net more in the offensive zone and scored, um, you know, greasier goals. Jim Montgomery before, I think this was before the break or maybe right after, um, highlighted that like he liked that they've basically completely based on their internal statistics have completely inverted in terms of percentage of goals that were off the rush versus in zone last year to this year. And it's, it's now a lot more in zone, fewer off the rush. And that's more like playoff style hockey. That's how you score in the playoffs. So that requires physicality, you know, the score goals in the zone at the front of the net is a more physical game than being a team that scores off the rush. Um, I agree with Montgomery when he also highlighted that defending the front of their own net is still an area they have to improve. So in that sense, maybe they haven't been physical enough. Um, but I think there's, there's things there that make me think they can be, they're just not always doing it consistently. So that's where, okay. Is that a matter of they're not capable of doing it consistently or maybe motivation just goes in and out over the course of the season and you just don't bring it every night. 
and maybe they would bring it every night in the playoffs. Like we're, we're, we're not going to know that answer right now. You, you can go outside and you can add physical help at the trade deadline if you think you need it. But the reality is, is like, you don't really know the answer to those questions until the playoffs. Yeah, it's a, it's a hypothetical question, obviously, um, especially since we don't know ne- necessarily the, the final personnel heading into the playoffs because they're, I mean, I'd be really shocked if they didn't add someone and I would be shocked as well if that was a person that was purely skill and couldn't bring anything on the physicality side of things. Like, I feel like the ideal way to handle the deadline would be to either add one player that's physical or a player that can do like do both for you can be physical can be skilled whatever I we don't know the final personnel but I will say even though it is a hypothetical question there's reason to be concerned about it for sure when if you watch the Washington game or if you watch the Calgary game or even just throughout the season like that's recency bias but um throughout the year you you watch times where guys get bumped off the puck and where there's seemingly um, no emotional response to a big hit that one of your teammates takes or like sometimes I just don't know if they have the right people to respond to certain situations like to respond to a Kachuk doing something dirty or just getting under people's skin like can there be someone that does the same thing to the opposition we don't see it consistently so I, I understand the question because you'd be lying if you if you were a fan watching this team and said it wasn't a concern for you at all that they were going to be able to just like flip a switch and a hundred percent of the games in the playoffs, be able to have this physical presence that they haven't had um, during certain stretches of the season. Yeah. And, and I want to preface this. Like, I don't think this is something that one trade dead trade deadline ad can, can solve. Like this is something that no matter what the Bruins have to, they have to address this internally, and this isn't just based on Calgary and Washington. It, it, like Bridget mentioned, there's been pockets of stretch this year where um, they just they just get out they get outworked. They've rel- don't forget, and I don't, I don't I don't mean to speak down to anybody listening or or the two of you, but I'm speaking to myself here too. The first month and a half of the season, the Bruins had a phenomenal record. It was heavily because of goaltending. Okay, like they were very much bend, don't break. And the only reason they didn't break was because of the backstop in that, whether it was Allmark at the time or Swayman. And I think this team got bailed out earlier on in the year. And I do think before the All-Star break, they were playing their best hockey for sure. But what happened last night against or yesterday afternoon against against the Capitals is something that happens over the course of a playoff series where you are in-game being outworked for a stretch of time or maybe the the opposition has gone to the X's and O's of the strategy and among a playoff series, and they've they, they've they've realized something that you're that you're weak at, or they're exposing a weakness of yours. And in game, in series, you're facing frustrations. And as a team, you have to have the ability to say, you know, screw this, like let's get back to our game and enforce our game. And that doesn't mean putting people through the boards. It means winning races to pucks. It means winning face-off battles, those 50-50 face-off battles. It means being strong on your stick, receiving passes, and 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 getting open without the puck. It's, it's all the little things. And yesterday against the Capitals, the biggest problem for the Bruins, yeah, you can say they didn't shoot the puck, but they the Bruins had no forecheck. They had no forecheck because they had no – they weren't retrieving pucks in their D zone. They weren't breaking out. So there was no transition. Uh, in the offensive zone, There was they weren't – 
you know, in the D zone, all over the ice, they're losing Reese's to lose pucks. So when you're losing puck battles and you're not having possession, how can you implement any other aspect of your game? Shooting's the last thing you implement. You know, the forecheck and everything else comes first. And I, all game, there's a loose puck. Oh, Washington gets it. They had so much more energy. Now, Washington was on a six-game losing streak, and their season's in the balance. So they're playing with 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 piss and vinegar, sure. Um, but that, but the nobody on the Bruins had the ability yesterday, at least yesterday, to say, "Screw this! I'm going to outwork my guy for the puck." And so when I ask, are the, does does the Bruins team do they have the toughness? Do they, do they have the ability? Does does Pavel Zaka? Does James Van Riemsdyk? Does Jake DeBrus? Does Morgan Geeky? Like, just go down, like. And any any player really like that hasn't, you know, earned the uh, the, the emphatic yes. Um, are those players? Do they have the ability to to win the puck battles when things aren't going their way and to kind of uh, stop stop the nosebleed for for lack of better terminology? Yeah, and and that is one thing that bothers me from Saturday's game. And that that was actually when I was thinking of um, potential opening shifts, like that was actually kind of my runner up was it's disappointing that literally nobody had a response. Like I, I don't expect the same guys to have to do it every time a game like this is happening. And it's not like the Bruins don't have anyone capable of doing it. We've seen guys on this team provide a spark, whether it's Brad Marsh and dragging guys into the, into the fight or David Posnack making a highlight real play or Trent Frederick with, physicality or a fight Jacob Lauko has done that Charlie McAvoy with a well-timed hit like even I think of the Panthers game earlier this year where they're running around trying to get revenge on McAvoy throwing hits and Derek Forbert drops the glove and that really kind of stopped Florida in their tracks and they weren't nearly as physical the rest of that game like so we've seen guys do it but then you get a game like yesterday and, and no one does it and you're kind of left at the end like looking around like like who was it supposed to be like who well anyone like like no one wanted to step up yesterday if you think about like old school hockey could you imagine either of you uh that a game with that little energy from one side there wouldn't be one player that was willing to like try to spark something with a fight like even just last year with Nick Felino, I feel like Nick Felino was a, like an old school classic mentality kind of person where if he saw his team just like had nothing going on he would be like, okay, well, I got to do something. Um, and you know, that's the classic, you know, 90s and before way to start a, start a, you know, a change in momentum. And it, it still, it's still, it's still in the game, but you just didn't see – it was it couldn't have been a, a better time to do it than yesterday, and nobody did. Yeah, no, great point, guys. And, like, it, listen, we're, we try to – we try to be – um, humane when, when talking about the Bruins, like being, being an NHL player, playing 82 games at the highest level, it's a grueling schedule. It's, there's a lot of travel and believe me, I'm not playing the world's smallest violin for professional athletes, but I understand that, that individuals are going to have games and shifts where they just, despite being a professional, guess what? They're also playing against other professionals. Like, you, you know, it kind of washes each other out. Like, it, there's going to be times where you just don't have it. And there's going to be times where a team as a whole might not have it here and there. And that's fine. But that's also the beautiful part about a team is that when most guys on a, if there, if there's ever a time where some guys don't have it, chances are somebody should have it that day. Right. To, to your guys's point, like how did one person not step up? And, and I hate to say what I'm about to say, because it kind of 
makes me feel like I'm treating Trent Frederick like he's supposed to be some gladiator in the Roman Coliseum back in the day. But because he's really the only Bruin that really has his skill set, like yesterday, Bridget, to your point, would have been a good time when the game was still, you know, relatively close. Well, the game was cl- close the whole time for the most part, <laughs> despite their lack of play. But set call it the second period, right? Maybe after the Bruins kill off that five-minute major to Grizzly where they only allowed the one goal, They're, you're down a goal. The building's quiet. Maybe Trent Frederick tries to ask Wilson to drop or maybe somebody, and maybe that sparks the Bruins. Um, so it, it's you know it's going to happen where the team's going to be off. Individually, every guy can't have it every day, every game. But you would like to see at least <laughs> some guys, some collection of guys have it every, every game because there's 20 guys out there. Somebody's going to be playing well today. Somebody has to do something. And look, yesterday's in the past, but going forward, it's something that the team needs to address. And and it, may, and it could just be internal, but they have to address it. And Bridget, you mentioned in passing the the Marshand um, getting getting high sticked by, I believe it was somebody on Calgary. And I don't really know if we talked about it much in the podcast, but yeah, that's your captain going down. Not a ton of response there. And again, it's like you kind of look at Frederick because he's he's like one of the only guys that can really fight somebody with any sort of um, conviction. But you know, other people have to step up too. And and I didn't like that either. My, my thought is that that Trent Frederick is no longer a fourth line player. So like, just because Frederick is unfortunately the only Bruin that comes to mind when you think of someone who could start that really, you kind of want a fourth line guy to, to handle that situation. So like maybe a Jacob. Well, Monty's like, Boquist, get out there. You're on the fourth line. <laughs> well, I, I was just going to say <laughs> That's what I was just is... getting to. That's what I was just trying to get to was, which is that that's what you want to happen you want it to be a fourth liner not someone like Trent Frederick who actually has a larger role on the team this year and it has been you know an offensive spark not just a spark with fighting or physicality but that person doesn't exist in the lineup right now like we've mentioned it it comes up all the time Lucci's not being there uh lost that element really um by and large not just like not just for the fourth line either for the whole team uh, so that just feels like an area you need to try to do something with. I know there's AHLers that you can bring up and do whatever, but there's no, like, you're not bringing up a goon. You need someone that can play at the NHL level that can be a fourth liner or maybe third liner, but pr- probably fourth liner and just be there like in moments like that when you need it. Yeah. And, and beyond even fighting, cause that's, sort of its own separate thing and it you know it is kind of a dying part of the game but even like a, a fourth line that goes out and sets the tone with a, a physical four checking shift like at you know i know that they they talked about that being part of anthony richard's game when they call him up and yeah like you can be an effective four checker without throwing big hits i get that but that doesn't really set the tone or the swing momentum like it it is that more physical style for checking that can really create energy and so you know after the game montgomery said he thought anthony richard was one of the only players who actually had some jump and i don't even dis- necessarily disagree with that but anthony richard's jump isn't the kind of jump that creates energy on the bench or or in the crowd like it's 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 speed and and he might get under someone and like win a puck battle but it, it, he's not he's not throwing a hit you know like he, he's not doing oh. stuff that 
that that's going to help wake a team up. Like it's a different kind of kind of energy. And, and they've clearly made, at least for now, they've made this shift towards, you know, a little bit more of a skilled, speedier fourth line. And I think that can work. Like I'm not, your fourth line doesn't have to be, you know, a bunch of six foot three guys who can crush people. But the trade-off is like, you're, you're not going to have, that fourth line that can help you in, in a, in something like this, where like the team just needs that, that wake up call. Um, it does end up falling on guys higher in the lineup because your fourth line right now isn't really designed that way. Let's, let's not just, you know, throw strays at Anthony Richard out here. For no, but I'm, I'm just saying like, you know, that's who you're putting in on your fourth line and it's, that's he's, fine. He's he, probably there there like, are certain well, things he does well, but it's not, He's not that kind of fourth line. Yeah, but like, so neither is Boquist or Steen. And I, we know Lauko can be, but he wasn't. You know what? I would have liked to see him pop out of the box because he served that that major penalty. And he was pissed when he went in the box. It was like as if he got called for it. He just like got in there and like had the worst like body language ever just in the box and I felt like he could have come out frustrated and done something like immediately after that. Well, he got a breakaway right out of the box and he fumbled away the puck and Ovechkin yes. took it from him. Like yes. at, Bridget, I'm glad you highlighted this because I, I wanted to get to this at some point, but yeah, Lauka looked upset, disappointed that he was the one serving. And I'm sure we didn't get to talk to him after the game, but I'm guessing it's because he feels like he's at a point where he can help kill that penalty. Right. He probably thinks, you're going to need more killers than usual. I can help. Like that's probably why he's disappointed is my guess. Okay. Well, you know how you can help take advantage of that breakaway you get right as you leave the box. And he didn't like, that was like a golden chance to make an impact right away. And he just fumbles it away. And that's why sometimes you, the person you want serving your penalty is someone that can finish those. Cause it happens, you know, sometimes guys get out of the box and they're the, you know, no one was paying attention and all of a sudden they're in alone. So you usually see like uh, a skilled player who doesn't kill penalties at all, like a David Pasternak <laughs> in there. That, but that's you don't another thing. I, I should have asked Montgomery about this after the game. Maybe I will like Monday at practice or something. But yeah, I want like, it, it, does that come across as like an insult if you put Pasternak in there? Because Pasternak didn't kill that penalty. He didn't get a shift during those five minutes. So you know, why, why not have him be that guy in case you do get that breakaway chance? Yeah, that could have yeah. been a goal if that was him. That's a, <laughs> that's, that's a that's a great point. Like, he doesn't play at all in the PK, so if it's a five-minute major, he's not going to. And, you know, uh, one of you guys mentioned fighting. Just real quick, the Bruins have ten fights in the season, and Trent Frederick has five of them. And then I think Loco has uh, one, two, uh, two. I think Forbert has two and Martian and Watherspoon maybe have one. So yeah, it's, 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 it's not really something that's very prevalent in the game right now. Um, but when you have one guy accounting for half of them and then the other ones are just kind of ticky tacky borderline <laughs> roughing penalties that are labeled five minutes for fighting. It's kind of, it kind of illustrates the Bruins just there. Not even so much. It, it's, I know I just labeled fighting, but it's just, you know, they don't have a lot of guys that are, willing to do it really um one of them's marshand apparently once loco and then watherspoon who people didn't know about until two months ago 
So anyway, um, let I me remember ask... that fight and it wasn't a great fight. Watherspoon? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, he was. He we was liked a... that you tried and it was it was a good thought, but it needed yeah. some work. Yeah. Um, so let me get, let me ask you guys this. Bo, early December, I think, was that stretch of hockey. Uh, Thanksgiving to like maybe early December or so, mid-December, when they kind of were struggling um, heavily. That's kind of what forced – now, Potra was away at the time, but that's kind of – that a stretch of poor play is what kind of maybe had had the, the, the fans rooting for Merkulov to get called up because he was playing well, and eventually the Bruins did, not because of the fans on Twitter, but because – you know, he was playing well, but they, they recognized that the team needed a jump start. Um, it, was, what, it was specifically because of my column about it. That, <laughs> yeah. that they, they told me that. They were like, we weren't even thinking about it, and then we saw Scott write about it. This, yeah. this guy's ego has to be put in check at some point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. Scott. Yeah, Scott, Scott, he'll get humbled. He'll get humbled. Yeah. Um, but so, you know, obviously – they out of the all-star break, they haven't played their best hockey. You sprinkle in a win over Vancouver, which is probably Vancouver's egg for the season, right? So you can't you can't really hang your hat too much on that one either, just because everybody ha- that was Vancouver's version of, a, of an off night, right? Um, but will it take much more of this for the Bruins to maybe just give a couple of guys uh, a look, whether it's bring up Johnny Beecher back to the fourth line, maybe it's bring up Elias Seller or Merkulov, like we've talked about, just to kind of give it a give it a little bit of a change up. Um or, or are they already at that point? Uh, will they be at that point if they keep losing at all? What do you guys, what do you guys make of? Again, I know Scott, you mentioned you're getting towards a trade deadline, and it's kind of the second half of the season. You, it's not really the time to be messing with your lineup. You kind of want to find out who you are. But this is all part of it, in my opinion. I still think that there's a lot of question marks, bold question marks um, in the bottom six, and I think those are still spots up for grabs. I, I you know, Parker Watherspoon. He had one glaring turnover against Washington that led to a big scoring chance. But besides that, you know, he for, he's just – he's been good. Like, he was given opportunity, and he's been good. Um, so do you think the Bruins should just take it with some some call-ups here, give people some looks, or does it take a few more bad lo- bad losses or any losses at all? What do you guys think? It, it might take – one or two more, but you know, it is worth knowing that Jim Montgomery after the game said will change or, or things will change. So he already kind of, you know, threatened and we don't know exactly what that change means is that he's just going to change his lineup or, you know, shift minutes around, or does that mean personnel? Someone's going getting sent down. Someone's getting called up, whatever it might be. Um I, in the immediate short term, I give, you know, your main go-to lineup guys a chance to bounce back Tuesday in another big game against Tampa because they just did it. They had a bad game against Calgary. They bounced back emphatically against Vancouver. Now, they shouldn't. there's no excuse for following that up with another bad game, but I give them the chance to pull themselves out of it. And then – if it's, if it's not there against Tampa after an off day Sunday, you hope a good hard practice Monday. Yeah. Then you probably make changes and, and, you know, look at your options Um, for Tuesday specifically though. Like I more or less run it back because ultimately, you know, whether it's Merkulov, Lysel, it's like 
those guys aren't going to turn around what happened Saturday. Like that has to be everyone else in the room kind of looking at themselves and being like, that's not happening again. Like we're better than that. Let's, let's go and show it. So, um, but yeah, I mean, if, if there's another game like this on this, that there's still uh, what four games left on this homestand. So if there's yes. another game, if there's another game or two like this, then yeah, I think you probably do see someone called up. So my, uh, my question, Scott, my, my, re- my, reaction to that is and i don't disagree with what you're saying um here's my fear is that the bruins keep the same lineup for tampa and maybe they do bounce back out of pride right out of sheer pride and they have a strong performance my fear is that it just it does just that it it makes them feel better about what happened but it doesn't maybe solve maybe some long-term roster deficiencies that could be solved internally so, and I, and you're right. Lysel doesn't fix what happened. He's out. If Lysel's dressed against the Capitals, same thing happens. Same with Mercury. It's, it's a team wide failure. I just, I look at a couple of places on the Bruins roster and I look at Jacob Lauko and I look at Boquist and I say to myself, those two guys in particular, could they be, would the Bruins be better off with a Lysel or Merkulov in a third-line role over Lauko and a Johnny Beecher in on a fourth-line role instead of a Boquist? Um, and my fear is that if they if they dress the same lineup as Washington and they bounce back and they win, my fear is that maybe it just kind of enables um, what might need to be fixed eventually anyway. That's my only fear with that. My fear is that none of those options are the right option. Like, mm. I, I, I honestly, when you when you list those options, I'm like, okay, yeah, those are your options. But is that is that good enough? Is that going to be good enough uh, in the playoffs? Like, that's the problem, and well, you need to figure that out now. So, to Brian, to your point, right? Yeah, try it out now and see and see right. what works better now. Right. Yeah, and, and and if none of that's the answer, then there's a trade deadline coming up March eighth, and that it. If you don't like those internal solutions, then that means it's time to go outside and get help. And yeah. it shouldn't—you shouldn't have to give up a, a first-round pick or a top prospect to get a, a solid third or fourth liner. Although I will say, did you guys see Frank Saravalli reported that basically like he would be surprised if Nick Dowd doesn't get a first rounder for Washington? Which I'm like, yeah, okay, count, count me out. I mean, listen, I like Nick Dowd. He's He's a, like a legitimate shutdown fourth line center, but I'm not even have a first round pick. Like that, that's nuts. That's no, it. and I, I get he has another year of control, but still, that's. It seems like the the center market is already kind of just like it's it's very out. drunk. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's very drunk. It's, it's drunk. Yeah, um, the, the the center market already uh, had an all day Super Bowl party. Yes, Bridget, you're. Like uh, your 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 fear helped kind of like actually illustrate mine better. Like it's it's that's exactly right. Like I I would fear that by not that if the Bruins dress the same lineup, they win. That it delays like the process of seeing what else you have internally. And then it and I, I just think I think it's imperative for this Bruins team to see what they have in the system before the trade deadline. I just think because again they're they're in, they're in cup mode and and I just don't see how. I don't know. I, I've said it till I'm blue in the face. That's how I feel about it. 
Um, I, I don't want this team to, Scott, to your point, I don't want them to give up a ton of stuff, but they do have to identify, like, do we have to give up anything at all? Like, could could do we have a, a middle six potential score that we're trying to get on the market? Do we have that in Lysel or, 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 uh, or Merkulov? We don't know because they don't give them a chance. And I don't know if they can get that chance if the Bruins just keep playing up and down, like, oh, we suck, oh, we we, we, we got it back. We suck. It's just whether they beat Tampa or not, like, I, I want to see – I want to see what they have in some of these guys just for a couple of games. I don't see what it hurts. I really don't. Uh, I don't know where you guys yeah, no, want to go I, from here though. No, I, I'm with you. Like, again, I I don't hate the idea of like calling up Anthony Richard and get him a game or two, but I don't think I need to see Anthony Richard for like a month, you know, like, like, or even Oscar Steen for that matter. So it's like, yeah, the, the, we've said it before. There's an opportunity to play guys and get guys in. And I know, there's different cap ramifications of calling guys up and down and whatever, but you do, you do have a chance here to, to evaluate other internal options other than the, you know, 12 or 13 that you've given a chance so far. Yeah. I feel like we should put like a poll or two up, like just, just to gauge what other people are thinking about how much they like, would they like to see Lysel? Like, what's the reason? Like, what reason would you want to see life sell up? Like there's so like, there's, I feel like there a bunch of the fans that watch probably are, are having the same conversations. Right. Brian, like they're probably thinking, what does it hurt to like to throw yeah. life sell in there? I also have talked to a, a good chunk of people who, when they talk to me about Beecher, they're confused, like why he's not with the team. So like, I'd also maybe think we should put a poll up about like, what are people's thoughts on Beecher? Like, if he is like, do you like him better than Bolquist? Should he be um, coming back up? Is he someone that the Bruins will need to have in their lineup come playoffs? Like, I feel like I've heard um, from from a few different people, like, hey, what's going on with Beecher? Yeah, I, I think maybe something along the lines of should the Bruins, should the Bruins, uh, you know, test some internal options before the before the trade deadline, you know, i.e. Lysel, Merkulov, Beecher, et cetera. Um, that's a good idea, Bridget. Maybe we can – Scott, as we know, Scott is the wordsmith on, on this panel, so maybe he can uh, he can craft something up. Um, but, yeah, I think I think that's a good idea. And, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with this team. I definitely uh, – yeah, I think the other thing, too, is it's not like the Bruins have an AHL team with a bunch of journeymen where it's like – no, no disrespect to uh, Richard, who they just called up, but like you kind of know he's not a. He's the reason we talk about it is be, is because Lysel, Merkulov, guys like that, Beecher, they're guys with promise um, and like NHL promise, and 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 so that's kind of why it's like let's just you know, let's, let's see. So um, well, I will say I was not expecting Parker Weatherspoon to make as big of an impact as he has. That's like that's, that's the name that I would have you would have put him up there and I would be like he's gonna be gone next week but he hasn't and he's deserved his spot so that's true surprise that is true that is true um but yeah I mean the, the position he's being asked to play is, is a, uh, a third a third D pair shutdown guy is kind of an easier role for a journeyman to fill um but you're right you, I mean that to your point like you you never you don't want to like totally turn somebody away. I'm just saying like, what I'm saying is we wouldn't be beat, beating this drum if it was like of like Lysel, Merkulov, Beecher, if like they weren't like projected NHLers that like could help uh, uh, solve a, a current void in the Bruins roster potentially. Um, 
And not to belabor this conversation, I don't want to circle back, Bridget, to your to your opening shift on on Matt Grizzlick. Um, kind of his kind of his season, like in a microcosm, just a, a season of like didn't mean to do it, but it still was a, a a five in a game according to the rules, and you know just kind of the, the icing on the cake of a season for Grizzlick so far that has been kind of forgettable for him. Yeah, it, it it has. It's definitely been inconsistent, um, to say the least. But I also, I also thought he had some really good games before the break, and I thought it was really good against Vancouver on Thursday. Like, that Grizzly-McAvoy pairing looked like vintage Grizzly-McAvoy, and that's where this gets tough because, again, you're trying to evaluate everything leading up to the deadline, and figure out exactly what you have and, and where you need to make upgrades. And Grizzly will still give you a game like that where you're like, oh, okay, if we see that more consistently, this, this like this is the Grizzly, you know, we expect, and, and that guy can can play for us. And maybe we don't need, you know, to try to upgrade that spot. And I'm going to take Saturday out of, like the whole team started like crap. So I'm not going to single anyone out. And then, he makes a mistake and gets ejected. Like it is what it is, but you see some of the off games he has where he's not making as much of an impact. Uh, and you're like, uh, geez, like that's still happening a little too often. I don't know if I can trust Grizzly down the stretch. So it does. I don't know if he's necessarily playing for a roster spot, although he, that could be the case as well. Like the Bruins do have to move salary out to make pretty much any trade. So it, if you're talking about adding someone, you do have to also talk about who you're subtracting. Um, it, it's a tough evaluation. Like it, it does feel like Grizzly needs to sort of put together a consistent run here in these weeks leading up to the trade deadline in order to, you know, if he's going to, most of the season he's been paired with Charlie McAvoy. If that's where he's going to be down the stretch and into the playoffs, I think he still needs to kind of show that he deserves that. And, and you do that by consistently playing well. And that's, it certainly has been a challenge for him this year. Yeah. And when we do have our conversations about where the salary needs to move out in order to bring in someone. And we, when we talk about, Oh, you know, adding a Noah Hannafin or, um, you know, adding a defenseman in some capacity, um, you're also talking about, probably needing to move a defenseman to coincide with it. I mean, obviously you want as much depth as possible, but just numbers wise, it doesn't, it doesn't really work with the cap. So um, yeah, someone is more than likely going to be the odd man out back there um, come the week of the trade deadline. And is it Grizzly that that's a name that, and for whatever reason, it, it seems to always be Grizzly is who fans are, are calling in to, you know, say Sunday skate, come trade deadline. Oh yeah. We need to move Grizzly. Um, it's usually Grizzly Forbert are the two guys that you hear move them, like get, get them, get them off the salary cap and bring someone else in. That's an upgrade. Yeah. But I also think like Bruins fans probably see that Grizzly has value. Right. And, and maybe that's why he's such a popular guy to, 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 to float out there. Cause the, cause like who like I mean somebody people do could want a forward right but like Grizzly Grizzly is a good when he's on his game he's an effective 
defenseman, obviously. There's just certain questions that Bruins yeah. fans have about him, and that's fair, you know? I think that you're right. That's why he's polarizing, because, like, he has enough value to trade, but he doesn't necessarily play to what they need him to play next to McAvoy. Or, like, it's so much right on the borderline of, like, pros and cons that you get the debate over Grizzly a lot. Mm. Well, in this season, I don't know if he even does have trade value. Like if we're, for being honest about it, I mean, $3.68 million cap hit, inconsistent season, pending unrestricted free agent. Yeah, like, that's the part that's, that's good. Yeah. Like that, that's a very small market of like what team would, would be interested in, in trading for him. It's, it's not going to be a rebuilding team unless there's an extension in place or something. So I think the answer to that question is it's somebody who's taking his contract in some sort of a deal that you maybe even need to give up a little bit more or like one of those deals where, so say Craig Smith, the Bruins needed to get him off last year. And it was part of the deal. Like, okay, well we'll take him, Otherwise you can't, we can't make this other move. So um, it could be one of those again, where, Part of it is isn't necessarily that they're like, oh, we really want them, but like the Bruins aren't willing to, or it's not possible for them to make the coinciding move without yeah. that being part of it. And, and then you're you're paying extra because now you're because yeah, then you're giving up an extra draft pick. Right and, now, now you're paying the price for the defenseman you're adding, and then you're also throwing in something for them to take on Grizzly. So it 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 gets expensive, and we know the Bruins don't have a ton of resources, which is why. This whole next month, you know, less than a month now, is going to be a real challenge for Don Sweeney. One one final Bruins thing I wanted to discuss quickly is just what's the one thing that we kind of collectively as a fan base mentioned that maybe could have been a reason why the Bruins fell apart last year in the playoffs. Something that going forward in this year, maybe we hope that they could uh, they could learn from and, and go through. And if you guys don't have the answer to, off the top of your head, based off of that cryptic uh, lead-in by me, I'll just I'll just say it to in the essence of timing, which is adversity, right? Like I think that last year, like people people were like, well, you know, they, they had it too easy, right? They, they had it too easy. They they then they felt the pressure of, of their historic season and, and and the outside noise, and they need to go through more adversity this year, right? It'll make them a tougher team and a better team for it. So. If that's the case, we all can't sit here now and and uh, I guess for lack of a better term, bitch about like what what we're seeing right now because we this is what we wanted, right? We didn't want them to have a cakewalk of a season. I do think while we're talking about specific areas today that we think that they could improve in general, this is adversity. This is what adversity looks like. Um having us having a seven game home stretch where if they don't pick things up here that there could be other boo birds on the horizon. We saw them go through adversity, as I said, in um, November and December, and, and they came out better for it. They were playing the best hockey of, of the season heading into the all-star break. So yes, this team isn't perfect and they never will be. And they won't ever have the roster on paper that they had last year, but you know who else didn't have that paper on uh, roster on paper last year was Florida and they beat the Bruins last year. So there's other ways to Again, so this is what my opening take was, is this Bruins team tough enough? I don't need them to be an all-star team on paper. I need them to be um, 
engage at all times. When it going gets tough, get going. When things aren't going your way, find a way to get to get back to your game and outwork the players around you. And I think that hopefully stretches like this will benefit them and make them that team because that's what makes you successful in the playoffs. So I just want to kind of bring some perspective to myself, you guys, and everybody. Like This is kind of what we wanted. We, we wanted this. We weren't having podcasts last year about, about this. Every episode last year was, all right, Bruins win 6-2, pasta, four goals. <laughs> like it was, it was kind of a little bit monotonous. This is kind of what I think helps make them a better group as long as they, they learn from it. Yeah, and we, we knew this was going to happen. Like we said before the All-Star break, I think, I don't know if it was our, or maybe during the break, like, I don't know if it was the mailbag. Someone asked us, you know, have they gone through enough? Will they go through more before the playoffs? And it was like, yeah, they're going to go through more. Like, they're not going to cruise through the final two months um, without hitting, you know, some speed bumps. And here's one, you know, right out of the All-Star break, two out of three games, you've laid a dud and heard booze from your home crowd. And, you know, it might linger even more than this. It might be more than two games. It might be, this might stretch on into four or five games, but I do think they'll eventually pull out of it because we've seen them do it already this year. I, I think they are a good team. I think they're too good to, you know, suddenly they're going to like lay multiple duds a week. Like that's not going to happen. So yeah, they'll pull out of it and that'll be another you know, check in the adversity box that you can look back on and say, okay, they went through it. And guess what? It'll probably happen again. There'll probably be a stretch in March where they go three or four games playing like crap. And then they'll have to pull themselves out of it and, you know, two, three weeks before the playoffs. So um, it, it can be good as long as you pull yourself out of it. And if they do, then we'll probably look back on this and, you know, realize, oh, maybe people, you know, were panicking a little too much, but um no certainly, certainly in, in the moment though like yeah you you have to actually see that before you you know because you you don't want to give them a pass either like right like you don't just want to say oh they'll pull out of it it's fine no because it, it takes work to pull out of it so you want to see them actually do that work before you you know give them any credit for, for it. and i think it's good that the next game is tampa bay yeah, because they're I mean, they're an imperfect team, but they're also, you know, in your own division, they're they're a team that you have history with. It seems like the right kind. it'd be worse if it went from that ugly loss to now you're playing San Jose. Like, right. It's better that you bounce, that you have a chance to, like, bounce back against a team that isn't terrible uh, and you know, there's some bad blood against like it, you could be a playoff matchup. So that's, that's mm-hmm. better. Yeah. That's not only, not only isn't terrible, but it's actually been quite good recently. And I remember it wasn't that it was maybe what a month ago where we were like, wow, Tampa's in real trouble. They might miss the playoffs. Yeah. Now they're either passing or on the verge of passing Toronto for third in the division. Like now they're, mm. they're even pulling out of like the wild card conversation where it's like, they might end up in that two, three matchup in the, in the division. Yeah, and and the Bruins have a we talked about it um, a couple weeks back, but their second half schedules it's the second hardest second hardest strength of schedule in the in the, in the NHL. Um, so if the Bruins don't show up, I'm sure their opponents will make them pay for it. Um, I'm still holding. You guys ever see the second Mighty Ducks movie when they when when their Team USA in the Olympics 
And uh, after the second period, they they ditched the USA Hendricks jerseys and come out in the Mighty Ducks jerseys. I'm still waiting for that to happen with the Bruins with this this year's uh millennial uh what's it called gold gold golden centennial. anniversary centennial, centennial. yeah <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm waiting for, they are millennial jerseys I'm, actually they're what's what's the what's the generation now Gen Z they're Gen Z jerseys I don't like them um <laughs> but I'm still waiting I'm holding out hope for the Bruins to just randomly ditch them and come out with the uh any of the jerseys they wore in the pre- previous hundred years I don't care that's just get, get, I I can't. I can't, I can't handle them. I'm. So, that's that's the one thing I'm. I'm excited for about hockey season ending this year is I don't have to watch those jerseys ever again in my entire life. And 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 for every person that that buys them, every one of those Centennial jerseys I see in the stands, you're just enabling them. You're just get those godforsaken jerseys off my Bruins. I can't stand them. All right. Anyway, um, hey guys, any any favorite Super Bowl snacks for you guys this year? What do you think? What you go to? I was, I was just, I was just thinking, if you hear someone call in uh, to Sunday Skate and you hear them say exactly what that was, you know who it is. Um, my favorite. <laughs> it will, it'll be in a disguised voice, though. I'll get. You won't be able to tell. <laughs> yeah. We'll still know. Um, my favorite Super Bowl snack. I don't know. Can you call it a snack? Like I like buffalo wings. Is that that's like somewhere between an app and a dinner, and it's good. I don't know. That's that's my go-to. Yeah, like that. That's gonna be your. There's no real dinner at a Super Bowl party, but like that's gonna be your your main course, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna throw down like seven, eight wings over the course of the evening, maybe even more than that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm, I'm we're gonna have chicken where I'm going. I'm bringing mac and cheese. That's always that's always a good one. So, um, you making it a little craft or Annie's? What you I'm, yeah, so I'm I'm actually so I'm going to my parents' house after we finish recording. And uh, mm. it's my mom's recipe, so I I, I help, but uh, <laughs> you help. I bring. I'm, it I'm not. By, by saying he's bringing. I'm not. I'm not an expert chef, so uh, I can't. I can't take credit. For he's it. bringing mac and cheese yeah. means his mom is making mac and cheese, and he's putting in a casserole dish and driving right. it to wherever he's going. <laughs> exactly. And then, yeah. and that's and then saying he made it. Yep, that's okay. No, he no, my 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 side. friends know better. If, if if it's delicious, they know I didn't make it. So. Yeah, that's true. I can't. I can't trick anyone. Couple, couple of good ones that come to my mind. There's last year, uh, someone made chicken parm sliders, very, very good. Um, pulled pork sliders, I feel like are always a good one. Guys, I'm hungry again now. <laughs> okay. so maybe maybe uh, someone's someone's made a, a a pepperoni pizza dip before. That was pretty bomb. Uh, any any really sort of dip steak. is good. Yeah, I know. Yeah, good, good buffalo chicken dip. That's that's a favorite. I've any, done that before, but. Any, any, I, I know this is gonna drop when after the Super Bowl, but any, any predictions? Who, do, who do you think is gonna win? Taylor Swift. <laughs> well, tra- Travis, Travis Kelsey already won a month ago. Yeah, he did. <laughs> or who do you want to win? Who do you want to win? I'm, I'm, I hope the 49ers win. People listen to this after the fact. I hope they won. Um, mm. I, as a Patriots fan, I need to believe that you can win without. Uh, uh, Hall of Fame all-time great quarterback because it's very hard to find those. And obviously we had one forever with Brady and but he also was drafted. They're both drafted very late. Well, not well, Mahomes was what nine? No, no, Brady and Purdy. Oh. Yeah, well, that that that's what like I want to believe that you can win with someone like Brock Purdy, who's good, not great. Well, especially because it's it's a fascinating matchup because clearly 
the Chiefs have the best player in 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 the game. Um, though I will say, I mean, I mean, Christian Christian McCaffrey is like he's again like he's not too far off of being the best player in the game. But I'd say the forty the 49ers on paper have uh, you know they have the better team overall in in in, in the defense when they play well. So it, it, if if the Chiefs win, it it really is like. Yeah, because you have Mahomes and a couple of supporting cast members. It's kind of like well, not not too dissimilar from like some of the Patriots Super Bowls at the end there, like against you know. Well, yeah, and that's that's the other part of it, is if the Chiefs win, then they're like Mahomes is officially on track to to make a real run at Brady. Like he'll he'll have three, he'll be on his way, and that's gonna it's gonna be a real conversation. And I I don't want that to happen. I want really because I, I like Mahomes Brady and- to stay way ahead. I like Mahomes, and you want to know what? Tom Brady was great, and it's fine. There can be other good quarterbacks, too. Like, there, there can be other good quarterbacks. But can there be other, uh, can there be other I don't, goats, though? Right. Like, I, I, don't, I don't want Brady's, you know, reign as goat to last, like, 15 years, and then Mahomes passes. Yeah, I, you know, I, you know, you know what? yourself with that one. You know what's underrated about Brady is that in his final, his, his final Super Bowl run, on the road, he beat Breeze – um, Rogers on the road to get even get to the Super Bowl, and then also, um, uh, yeah, Mahomes too. Oh, Brian, you Brian, Brian muted himself. Time, time down the podcast. We're... Head to head, <laughs> always had the the advantage. He'll always have that over Mahomes. Um, and I, and I don't want to take too much away from uh from 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 six rings and football things, but I will say like it's pretty evident. I think to everybody watching when you look at Belichick's record without Brady that like the Patriot way was mostly the Brady way. And he was to, you know, he, he deserves a lot, most of the credit, I think for their success. And Belichick was a, you know, bit of a, to the media that, that said, what do you, do you guys feel like, uh, RKK has been a little bit of a, a little bit of a smear campaign on, on, on Bill. I don't know if he deserves that. Uh, there, there definitely has been. That's not, that's not right. I don't like that at all. I'll be honest about that. They yeah, all that, fell apart in a very awkward, like terrible breakup kind of way. It was like it's like when you're dating someone, you're like, we're never gonna have that kind of breakup. It's not, you know, it's gonna be, you know, we respect each other too much, and then and then it happens, and then they're like, they fucking hate. hate it always, yeah, and, yeah, it's it always happens. Like it, it's almost inevitable, and it it shouldn't, but it's like Bruins fire Cassidy, and and Don Sweeney's message publicly is, you know, Cassidy's a great coach, and really like him and it's not personal and whatever but like then you get the little leaks about like he was too hard on players and he lost lost the room and like whatever and it you know happened the red sox and terry francona it's like it, it shouldn't happen like these coaches that are among the best in your franchise's history like that there should be a way to just let it end peacefully and like everyone just goes their separate way but there, there's always something you want to know why sports are more like politics than we care to admit sometimes because I've seen some behind the scenes stuff where X, you know, where coach will call a reporter. I'm this, this isn't Bruins, but like, I've seen it. I've seen it happen where a coach has called a reporter that I knew. And then 10 minutes later, the manager called the reporter that I knew and they were both telling the other one, giving him information about, their sides of the story on deep background, not to be quoted, but like throwing the other one under the bus so that, Oh, just so you know, if, if you see this come, like this is w- what's actually going on. Like mm. it is 
extreme politics behind the scenes. Uh, and that's why that happens because you got Belichick's guys, which are certain reporters, you got crafts people, you've got everybody and everybody, you know, has an angle and they will call and they will use, they will use the media to, to give certain perspectives on things. Like if, if they can convince that person that that, that was really what was going on and, and, and it's, it can be a disaster. You know, and, and, you know, there's a, there's a, no shortage of egos amongst those guys, but I saw, I saw a, a picture recently, like this past weekend of um, Brady, Belichick and Kraft all like looking at each other, smiling um, while holding the Lombardi trophy after the Seahawks win. And it's crazy. Cause it's like, then they had two other wins after that. And um, it's like, it's, it's interesting. Like here in Boston, the, there was never a shortage of storylines. Like, it's like, we don't, I, I, I like to think that people recognize what we, what we had when we had it, but now that it's all gone, it's like, whole, it's like looking at the three of those guys in the same picture. It's like, wow, like there, no wonder there was storylines every day. Like there was, there was so much ego there and so many different, like whatever, but it, it's now that, now that they're all gone, well, craft is still here, but it's just like, I don't know. What's, what's that phrase? The, the, um, the sum of the parts is greater or whatever that phrase is like, like those guys are finding out that, um, you know, they were just all greater together. I mean, obviously Brady had success elsewhere, but for Belichick and Kraft, it's like, I don't know, their egos were, they, maybe they shouldn't be so inflated because the guy that was throwing the ball was, was a big reason for it. But I just yeah, find the Kraft Brady, stuff interesting. Brady, Brady's the one who could just flip everyone the finger if he wanted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's, He's he's too class. Like they'll they'll all be together smiling again because eventually yeah. they'll they'll all get over whatever personal grudges they held at the end, and you know, mm -hmm. and they'll you'll just be able to celebrate. You'll you'll celebrate those twenty years. But we're not uh, there now. We're not there yet. <laughs> no, but that they're get like there's the the Brady Day coming up this was that in June. Yeah, they're retiring his number and all that. So I mean, Bel Belichick is like he, he's. He wasn't when when he drafted Garoppolo, like in theory, as a guy who's supposed to think long term about his team, like he wasn't wrong to like potentially get the next guy. And then Brady wasn't wrong for being insulted and Kraft was in the middle. And then that's and then they go and win three more titles. But it's like it's just an absolute uh I don't know. We we had we had it made. Um I've said it before, like it's not just like Boston, it's not just all the championships that like Boston's won and could have won in the last 20 years, but like there were so many all the stories like along the way, it just, it, it's exactly why Boston was the, you know, the, the best sports city in America. In my opinion, there was so much, so much drama between the lines. It's well, now it's all gone. Not that's mm -hmm. not true. The Celtics have a chance. The Bruins have a chance this year. Yep. I was going to say not the Red Sox, but yes, um, the Bruins and the Celtics could make for a fun spring. Um, mm. We've, we've yeah, they get, they got to keep, you know how like we always stay with EI, but, other places obviously did too. Like after the most recent championship, you have that graphic with all the banners of championships won since 2001. Still, still just one for the Bruins, one for the Celtics on there. Like there it's time, time yeah. for them to time, time for both of them to, to add, yeah. you know, pa Patriots and Red Sox did their part. They mm -hmm. did. And, and um, I don't think the Red Sox are going to be doing shit from now on though. No, so. not, not this year. That's for sure. No, not. <laughs> Not this year, Scott. Not in the next ten years. Not ever, probably. I don't trust them at all. Theo's I mean, gonna save us. So the so between the four teams, right? 
and I know, I know, uh, Tony Maserati wrote that book, like something about, uh, it, w- it was about the 20 years of dominance in, in, in Boston. And so the Patriots, uh, so, so the Red Sox have been the four world series since 2000 or well, 2004, but I think the book was dating back to like 2000. So the Patriots had been the four world, uh, the Red Sox have been the four world series and they won four. So that's four titles and four chances. The Patriots won six Super Bowls on nine appearances. So that's that's ten titles in how many how many championship runs? Uh, uh, fifteen, ten and fifteen. Thirteen, ten and yeah, ten and thirteen. So ten titles, thirteen chances. Uh, the Bruins win one Stanley Cup. So that's eleven titles in fourteen chances. And then the two finals, so that's 16 chances. So it's 11 and 16. And then the Celtics, same thing. They've been to three and won one. So uh, the the Bruins, my point is, the Bruins and Celtics collectively have left four championships up there. Um, and then the Patriots, three. So that's so that's seven titles that, that could have been won, too. And obviously, when the Patriots win six, you can't be too hard on them. So the Bruins and the Celtics definitely kind of uh, their finals appearance winning percentage you know, also hindered that, that, that grand yeah. total. And, and like, to tie it back to most recent iteration of Bruins, like great teams that didn't even get to the championship. Like last yeah. year, if you wanted, like you could call that a championship left on the table based on how good they were in the regular season. And, you know, didn't even actually get to the finals. Um, even the Celtics last, like last year, Celtics team should have been in the NBA finals and yeah. they, they lose to Miami. I feel like I feel like any listeners that are driving their car right now are just like drooling listening to me try to <laughs> do that math on the fly. <laughs> They're like, what is this kid on right now? I was gonna say sports media people, not who you want to go to for math. No, <laughs> nope. Oh, Definitely boy. don't ask me. Did you notice I didn't chime in at all? I was like, you got this, Brian. Um, I, I, listen, I went to BU's College of Communications, com, C O M, College <laughs> of Optional Math. <laughs> I love that. Ultimately, I think it was what it's twelve titles and nineteen appearances, championship appearances, something like that. That's that's almost one a year. That's crazy from twenty two thousand to twenty twenty when the book was written. Um. Anyway, well, we had to veer off a little bit in honor of the Super Bowl Sunday. We had to. Um. But thank you all. By the for way, seeing- one last tiny piece of news before we log off. This literally just dropped. Matt Grizzlick nice. fined. Fi- Matt Grizzlick fined five thousand dollars. Maximum allowable for spearing Pacioretty. So we no, no suspension, get, nor, nor should there have been. We so. never get breaking news in the pod. If we didn't talk football for 10 <laughs> minutes, we would have not had to, the chance to say that. Right. Yeah, it's know? always coach gets fired 10 minutes after we <laughs> finish recording or something like that. We've but. had the worst luck over the last couple of years mm-hmm. with like news dropping right after. Um, yep. But in any event, this also gives me us another chance quickly before we sign off. Once again, Scott, you want to plug the um, the Sunday skate for listeners? Yeah, Sunday skate back this coming Sunday, uh, February eighteenth. Me, Bridget, Andrew Raycroft. That yeah, that's, that's it. Two two hours. Last year we were one hour almost every week. This this year we're going to be two pretty much every week. So with a bonus host. So. Like, that, that's Brian. why we had to go to two. They were like, and, and Brian in the car. They're like, Bridget talks enough that we can do a whole nother hour. <laughs> yeah, but they're Shut like, off. listen, me and Razor, like our, our pay by the word can't go down. So, you know, we, we need more more time because, <laughs> but yeah, Bridget will be in there taking, a, taking up 
airtime air and I, yeah i talk a lot let's just i mean i get paid to talk though so that's probably why i love it well i'll be listening hopefully everybody else is listening as well and um yeah i think that wraps it up so hopefully everybody enjoyed their enjoyed past tense their super bowl sunday when they listen to this and had a great weekend and have a wonderful work week we will talk to you on wednesday thanks for listening